I want to start by telling you all a story. Um, Lee loves this story. This was, uh, I played high school basketball. That, that is a very generous word. I, I sat on the bench a lot in high school. Um, but I had a friend who, like, never played. He's a really good three-point shooter, but he never played. And we were playing, like, an in-town rival. is a big game. A lot of friends go to this other school. And uh, he gets in, and he gets the ball in the corner and hits a three. And their student section are, like, the first four rows of the bleachers all across that line. So after he hits the three, he goes running like this down the student section doing this. And uh, the important part of this story that I haven't told you yet is this was like two minutes left in the game. We were down by 20. (laughs) So he was just so excited that he like forgot where he was. And we get in the locker room and I've never seen our coach more angry. He was like, what is this? What is this? You look like a moron. We're losing by 20. And so the reason I tell you that story is because Uh, What we're talking about today, we're going through Origins, uh, the first 12 chapters of Genesis, and that is like what he just did is what we are trying to do all the time, and God in his grace is sometimes preventing us, is like building this little kingdom of mine and uh, doing so apart from him, and it ends up just looking ridiculous and being kind of pitiful. And it's like, okay, I I might have some success, but at the end of the day, like, I'm losing. Um, And and the Lord loves us so much that he will not allow that to happen. And he will come and he will get in our business and he will interfere with our plans for greatness uh, that are plans for greatness apart from him uh, because he is saving us from ourselves. And so uh, today, whoever's reading our scripture can come on up. Um, Allie, come on up. Um, so we, yeah, um, this, this is a, a story of, um, we're in Genesis 11, 1 through 9. Um, this is a story of the Lord coming in mercy to, to disappoint. Genesis, is it on? Okay, Genesis 11, 1 through 9. Now the whole earth had one language and the same words. And as people migrated from the east, they found a plain in the land of Shinar and settled there. And they said to one another, Come, let us make bricks and burn them thoroughly. And they had brick for stone and bitumen for mortar. And they said, Come, let us build ourselves a city and a tower with its top in the heavens. And let us make a name for ourselves, lest we be dispersed over the face of the whole earth. And the Lord came down to see the city and the tower which the children of man had built. And the Lord said, Behold, they are one people, and they have all one language, and this is only the beginning of what they will do, and nothing that they propose to do will be impossible for them. Come, let us go down and there confuse their language, so that they may not understand one another's speech. So the Lord dispersed them from there over the face of all the earth, and they left off building the city. Therefore its name was called Babel, because there the Lord confused the language of all the earth. And from there, the Lord dispersed them over the face of all the earth. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Um, here's what I want to do today. I was, I was just reminded of this truth this week. But um, when I get up here to preach, this is a, a two-way street. 
that if we want anything to happen other than somebody just standing up here giving a good talk, um, what we really need is the power of the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit needs to come and empower me to say what he wants me to say and to say, to preach his word with clarity and his conviction. Um, But also, y'all need to be open to it. Y'all need to be in a place where and me too, as the one preaching and receiving, um, you need to be open to what the Holy Spirit wants to do. So what I want to do is just take a minute and have us all pray quietly um, and pray for those things. Pray for yourself. Pray for me. Pray for the Lord to do whatever he wants to do. And then I'll pray for us and we'll, we'll keep going. Father, as we come to you in your your word today, and you come to us in this word, you are taking an axe to our pride. And it's a pride that so often masquerades as just good sense and wisdom. Uh, we, We have created words and language and ways of thinking to soften the blow of what's really happening, which is us trying to set ourselves up apart from you so that we can be okay and not have to depend on you. That we can feel sufficient in ourselves and not need anyone, including you. Uh, That we would have enough resources, uh, whatever that number is, for the amount of money we have or the amount of skill we have or the amount of desirability we have or relational connections or personal goodness or whatever it is, Lord. We want to have enough of that so that we don't ever have to worry that we can't take care of ourselves and handle anything that might come our way. And so, Lord, I pray in your kindness, in your mercy, just like you did here, would you do it again uh, in our hearts today and in this body collectively? Lord, would you humble us um, and disrupt these plans for personal glory that are apart from you? And would you just come and encourage and convict and lead us in all the ways that we need? In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, so um, we have this story. This is, you know, after the flood. Um, God cleansed the earth with the flood, and Noah and his family made it through, uh, through the ark, God's protection. Uh, but Noah and his family were not sinless. So uh, we, we begin to get this picture now of people coming together, and um, we still have this issue of this sin that's in our hearts. And so these people are coming together, and the Lord has called everybody to be fruitful and multiply and and fill the earth. And we have this picture here where a group of people are on this journey, presumably with God, and and then they just take counsel together with each other and decide to stop. And they say, no, 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 this is is good enough. Let's stay here together. Uh, Let's not go any further. That way we don't have to fear, we don't have to be vulnerable. Let's make a name for ourselves. Let's stay here. Let's be secure. Let's make a name for ourselves, and people will know our name. People will revere us. We will be somebody. And what's happening here is it's hard to see at the beginning, but it, as, as the story unfolds, it becomes more clear, but it's a, 
a subtle or maybe even not so subtle ceasing to live by faith. It's a decision that's being made to say, no, 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 I'm tired of feeling like this. I'm tired of feeling weak. I'm tired of feeling uh, little. And so I've decided that I have a plan for how I am going to be somebody and how I'm going to be secure and how I'm going to take care of things and how I'm me, 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 I, I, I. And what happens when we start to live like this is being responsive to God's leading goes out the window. Because I'm no longer living like this, I'm living like this. And I'm driving and I'm deciding where this is going. I'm deciding what's okay, what's not okay. I'm deciding what suffering is acceptable and what's not acceptable. I'm deciding what circumstances that I'm experiencing are, could possibly be good, could possibly be from the Lord, and what definitely is not good and definitely is not from the Lord. And I, I just begin to be the captain of my own life. It's, it's a lifestyle that is pride that is born of fear, which, which is also another way to say that is slavery. It's, it's hey, hey, let's just stop. Let's, let's not um, converse with the Lord at all. Let's not run this by him. But come let us. Let, let us decide together to build ourselves a city, a tower, again, with its top in the heavens, um, this is going to be the, the biggest, the greatest, the best, the ultimate. Let us make a name for ourselves because we don't want to be dispersed over the whole earth. Again, we don't want to be small. We don't want to be weak. We don't want to be nobodies. We want to be right here. We're going to be the best because we're actually afraid. And that's slavery. And this, in verse 3, there's this curious detail, curious to our ears, of how they said to one another, come let us make bricks and burn them thoroughly. And they had brick for stone and bitumen for mortar. And, and so with our ears, we're wondering like, why is that important to this story? But we have to remember that as, as Moses is writing down what will become Genesis from the Holy Spirit and giving it to the original audience, these are the people that have just left Egypt. These are God's people and when we start talking about bricks and bitumen is the, like the, the stuff that they use for mortar in between the bricks, um, that's what these people had to do. This was slavery. This is slavery talk. These people had to do this all night and all day from sunup to sundown. They had to make bricks under these cruel conditions from their Egyptian overseers. And so the, the message that's coming from God through Moses to these people as he tells this story that predates their existence, is this story ends with you becoming a monster. Like if you get your way and God allows you to have your way where your plan succeeds and you make a name for yourself and you become powerful and you're no longer weak, you're no longer vulnerable, then this story can only end in one way. It's you becoming a monster and enslaving other people just like Pharaoh in Egypt. And here's the saddest part of it all. It's not just you being a monster and enslaving other people. It's that you're also a slave. You yourself are also enslaved as you're enslaving others because you are still a slave to fear. And all of your pride is rooted in fear. And there's something about building this city that sounded good to the original audience. That's why Moses is having to tell them this. That's why God is having to tell them this. And there's something about building this city, if we're honest, that sounds good to us. 
right? We do it all the time. We take the first steps to building this city all the time. Well, if I can just get this much money, if I can just get to this place in my career, I will sell everything and everyone down the river just to get to this one place, because once I get to this place, then everything will be fine. And then, then it'll all be great, but guess what? That, that never happens, because anytime I'm dealing with coming up with my own resources to deal with my life, it's never going to be enough because we weren't made to do that. I'm too small. I can't handle everything, no matter how fat my bank account is, no matter how high up on the chain I am at the, the huge corporation I work for or the business that I've built or whatever it is, no matter how famous and popular I get, no matter how much people love me, I cannot build up enough capital to handle all the things that could possibly come across my life to destroy me. So even though on the one hand, I am full of pride, and I, I think that I'm the greatest thing in the world, it is, there's always this dark underbelly of fear. I can't get away from fear. Anytime God is not my refuge, anytime I'm building a tower and it's not him, I'm, I'm enslaved to fear because there's no other option. There's no other option. And so what he's saying to these people and, and what the Lord is saying to us through the Holy Spirit is, there is something about this as we go through life and as we experience all the suffering and all the fear and all the, th all the bad things that happen, as we experience our smallness and all the vulnerability that we feel in certain situations, he's saying this is always going to be appealing to you, to, to get together and to, you know, pull, pool your resources and to be somebody and to think that you can get to a place where you never have to fear again because we, we want everything to be put right now, but this is not it. This is not our home. And so when we get, we get um, impatient and we demand that things be put right in a certain way now, this always looks appealing. And it always overpromises and underdelivers. They want to build a tower with its top in the heavens. What, what, is, it, what is a tower for? What is a big city for? A tower is for security. It's, it's for me to get up in that tower and to be able to, to scan the horizon as far away as possible and to see trouble coming way down the line so that we can take action and do something about it. It's also a, a picture of prowess. If we have the tallest tower, it's like, this, like skyscrapers. If I have the tallest skyscraper, I'm telling the world, I'm sending a signal, I, like we're somebody. We are somebody. It's just funny as an aside, I was, I was curious about this because um, I, I wondered like how tall this tower actually was going to be um, based on what they would be able to do back then. But did you know that the, uh, the first ever skyscraper was built in Chicago in the 1880s? And do you know how many stories it was? Anybody? How much? Way lower. 10, 10. Okay, so then the designation for uh, skyscraper is now a 40-story minimum. And then, you know, like the, the buildings that they're building in Dubai, like I can't remember, do, do you all know how many stories those are? I forget, but it's like over 100, well over 100. But I'm just thinking like how, even in our pride when we think we're really crushing it, just like how almost laughable it is. Um, there's this, there's this beautiful part of the story where it says, the Lord had to come down to see this great tower. 
Like the Lord is still so high. Like even this most amazing tower, he's like, oh, hold on. I mean, not really, right? It's, it's like when, we, when it talks about God like that in scripture, it's what's called anthropomorphism. It's to help us understand. So it gives him like personal characteristics, personification that's you know, not directly accurate, but it's sort of like a metaphor. But it's saying that God is so great and this great tower was still so far away from touching even <laughs> his throne room or, or the outer gates of anything that he had to like get up and leave and come down so that he could even see this amazingly great tower that made these people so awesome. So there's this, you know, security, which again is code for fear. It's just security, you know, security is fear under the guise of wisdom. No, 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 we have, we have to be smart. We got to be, we got to take care of ourselves. We can't, we can't help these people yet. We got to make sure we're okay. We got to, you know, it's, it's a more respectable version of fear. But here, here's the thing, with, with this tower and this city that they were building, even if they had completed it, and with the cities and towers that we try to build, even if we complete it, Proverbs 18.11 says this, a rich man's wealth is his strong city and like a high wall in his imagination. Because the reality is, all the things that are coming for us, that could come for us, that will come for us, um, a tower and a wall are not going to keep them out. Disease, suffering, death, broken relationships, all the things that will truly undo us, we cannot build a tower high enough to see them coming, and we cannot build a wall high enough to keep them out. It is, it is in our imagination that we live like this. And here's, here's something that I, I'm just noticing about myself and noticing about us as we talk about life together is we practically experience what we read in part of the call to worship from Psalm 16. Verse 4 says this, The sorrows of those who run after another God shall multiply. And part of the reason that those sorrows multiply is because it's not just the thing itself. It's not just the thing that's actually happening to me or the circumstance it's because I'm living apart from God and trying to live in my own power that multiplies the fear and anxiety that I live in because I'm watching my resources be depleted and not be enough to handle what might come after this. And there's always going to be something that might come after this because we live in a fallen world where the Lord promises us you will have trouble in this world. It's coming and it will continue to come. This is not our home. And so the sorrows of those who run after another God, who run after some other strong tower besides our Savior, will multiply. Because at the end of the day, those are all just tools for me to try to be my own Savior. And me to try to handle everything in my own resources because I don't like submitting to God and His will. I want things to happen the way I want them to happen, and so I'm going to amass the resources that I can to try to make sure that I get to see my will done. And the Lord's telling us in, in a thousand different ways, this is not the way to life. The sorrows of those who run after another God shall multiply. And the most broken part of this is the revealing of the fact that I'm, I don't want the God of the universe who is all-powerful, all-wise, all-loving, and desires to have a relationship with me, who is my creator, who is my shepherd, who uh, through Jesus calls himself my husband, 
he is my father, the most broken part of this whole thing is that I am saying no to that. The fact that I even want to build up my resources, the fact that I even think I have to build up my resources is revealing that like I don't want anything to do with that, which is the very thing that I was created for. And so something is not okay. We say no to that, and we say, no, 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 let us make a name for ourselves. So then we, we get to this part in the story where God is having this counsel within himself. You know, our God is a triune God. We, we talk about the Trinity, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, one God, three persons. And we have this conversation between the persons of the Godhead, starting in verse 6. The Lord says, Behold, they are one people. They have all one language, and this is only the beginning of what they will do. And nothing that they propose, propose to do will be now impossible for them. So come, let us go down, and there confuse their language so that they won't understand each other's speech. So there's a way in which you can read this, and you're like, is God afraid of them? Like, nothing's going to be impossible for them, and this is threatening to me, so now I have to go do something about it? Well, of course, that's ridiculous. But the first time, it, re it reminds me of the first time that we saw a conversation like this. Do you all remember this? Um, in, in Genesis 3, after Adam and Eve sin in the garden, we have this inner trinity conversation. It says, now lest the man take from the fruit of the tree of life and eat and live forever. Like we need to get them out of the garden and keep them from the tree of life. And there's a way in which you hear that and you think, that sounds bad, but really that is a mercy. Because what God is saying is, I don't want man to live forever in that condition. Where he is uh, sinning and he has been warped by sin and having to live in this body of flesh that fights against God and fights against the very thing that he is made for and fights against his own good. So in my mercy, I am disrupting this. I'm keeping him from eating the tree of life until I can work my master plan of salvation throughout all of human history so that man won't have to live like that, but he will live forever in perfection with me. And it's the same thing happening here. It's the same spirit of this conversation. It's this severe mercy because what God is saying is um, what, they, what they're doing now in trying to build the city where they are their own security and they are their own pride and glory, like this is only the beginning of the things they're going to do. And the implication is the, the things that they're going to do from here will, will be even more heinous and wicked and awful. Like, this is moving down a road that is not good for them. And I want you to listen to this, because this reminds me so much of what's happening in their the people's conversation with themselves and building this tower in this city. Listen to this from Isaiah 14, and tell me who you think said this, or who this is talking about. You said in your heart, I will ascend to heaven above the stars of God, and I will set my throne on high, and I will make myself like the most high. Can we agree that that sounds like what these people are talking about? Okay, who's that talking about? Satan. So let's just, let's just pause there for a second and see God's mercy in not allowing these people's plans to succeed to become like Satan, the prince of darkness. 
And let's pause also and do maybe a more painful work and thank God for all the ways in which he frustrates my plans to become the prince of darkness. Because that's what we're saying, is all the things that I think they're okay, and they might be okay in some other circumstance, for some other person. The things that I chase aren't always bad, but it's the things that I chase instead of him. To be very successful in business is not bad. It, it can, can be very beautiful. It's like C.S. Lewis said, like, the, the possibility, because humans are the highest of God's creation, the possibility to be very good or very evil is, is higher than, than that of any other creation. It's like we have this propensity in us to do very good and beautiful things. And so if I am in Christ and I'm living in response to him, and, and I'm like Jesus where Jesus said, like, my food is to do the will of my father. If I'm in that position, then, like, bring on all success and power that he will use in me to do his good will. But it's when I go to those things to think that's what's going to make life work. Because now I'm talking about doing life apart from him. And so in those places, um, there have been many times that my plans have been frustrated. My plans for my personal greatness and gain have been frustrated by the Lord because he loves me. Because he's like, you know what, Matt? It's actually not good that you turn out like Satan. Oh, okay, thanks. Um, so let's just stop and think about the places that that could be true. Think about that on a universal application, like all of humanity working towards something together apart from him. Think about that locally with different organizations, with, with different, you know, a business deal not going through, you know, different uh, political groups not having all the power that they would hope that they would have. Um, Think about that relationally. Think about that in dating relationships. This didn't work out. I was really sad. Well, maybe that's a great mercy. Or in this friendship ending, or, or you know, whatever it is. But to think about all these places where, I mean, the, guys, the Lord didn't stop working here. Like, he is continuing to work in his world in the lives of his people. And so he is continuing to come to you and I in mercy to frustrate our plans for greatness and bring confusion because we're moving, maybe we don't even know it. Most of the time we don't even know it, but we are moving apart from him, out from under him so that we can be God and not have to go to him, not have to submit to him. And this is what Paul talks about, he experienced in 2 Corinthians 12. Listen to this. Paul says, so to keep me from becoming conceited, because of the surpassing greatness of the revelations that God had given to me, a thorn was given to me in the flesh. We don't know what that was. It could have been a physical disability, could have been a mental issue, could have been, we don't know. A messenger of Satan to harass me. Satan sent this to try to destroy me, but God allowed it to keep me from becoming conceited. Three times I pleaded with the Lord about this, that it should leave me. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you. For my power is revealed in your weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. For the sake of Christ, then, I am content with weaknesses, insults, hardships, persecutions, and calamities. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Paul has gotten to the place where I don't think I've gotten to yet, where he can look at all of these things that happen. And he can see a direct connection to how the Lord might be allowing these things in his life for good. 
to keep him humble, to keep him in where life really is and not building a kingdom apart from God, which is literally anti-life, which is death. So when weakness, when I experience my own weakness, my own frailty, the things that I'm not good at, the things that I can't do, when people insult me, when I go through hardships, hard times, calamities even, Paul says, I am content with that so that the power of Christ may rest upon me and I may rest in his power. You know, there's so many things that make us afraid. There's so many things that make us realize how small we are and how little we can do to keep ourselves safe. And instead of fretting and and being filled with anxiety, it's beginning to come to him and, and say thank you before I even know what I'm saying thank you for yet. Like, Lord, I don't even understand this, but thank you. Because I know that you're good. I know that you love me. I know that you are, you're doing something here. You're redeeming what I'm experiencing here. And y'all, it's, it is so hard to live like that. It is so hard to live like that. Because the things that we experience are so painful. And we watch other people experiencing life in a way that we really wish that we could. And it seems so unfair and it's so easy to get to this place right where the enemy wants to take us. Right like he did with with Adam and Eve and say, can you really trust God? Is he really still paying attention? Does he really have your best in mind? Isn't he just keeping something from you that's better? And y'all, that is why we need each other. Like, I need you in my life reminding me that this is true and not that. And you need me reminding you of that. That's why we have this, this body that, that God has put together. He's like, I, it's not good for people to, to walk through life on their own. They have to be in this community that is my body. And so because God does this and brings us confusion, it says, um, this relief in the story, they left off building the city. Thank God. Because this is the gateway to what is truly life. This, it's interesting, it says, um, therefore that place was called Babel, which means confusion. But it's also um, what will become Babylon. And, and it also can mean gate of the gods. So here, here, here it is. This is, this is life is this place, this, you know, we'll call it the city of man, Babel, which is really confusion. Um, it's so alluring because it also could mean gate of the gods. This could be how I become godlike. If I just go to this city and start building in this way, this could be my ticket to get out of suffering, to get into greatness. And, and that really is, that's the choice for all of humanity. Like, are we going to see this kind of building as the gateway to the gods and that I will continue to make myself a great name apart from God and that's where I'm going to find life? Or are we going to, with the help of the Holy Spirit and each other, are we going to see it for what it is, that it is the city of confusion? that does not bring life, that takes us away from life. The real gateway to God 
is not our building a tower up into the heavens to go become like him, but it's his descending down to us. We see this beautifully in Philippians 2. Jesus Christ, though he was in the form of God, did not, account, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but he emptied himself. He became vulnerable. He became weak. He became small. So when God invites us and commands us even to be weak and be small and be led by him and submit to him, he, he's not coming down from on high asking us to do something that he's not willing to do himself. He's come down much lower and much smaller uh, than we will ever know. He was born in the likeness of men and being found in human form, he humbled himself even further by becoming obedient to the Father to the point of death, even death on a cross, which is the most shameful, painful death that there was. There was no limit to Jesus' openness to his Father's leading. So therefore God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. So he's saying, hey, instead of trying to make a name for yourself, Come and receive my name, which is the greatest name that has ever been named. Come and, and be adopted into this family and now have my name as your name. Be my sons and daughters. Don't go off building uh, your own name and trying to make your own name great. Come and receive my name and come and run to me, which is I am actually the strong tower that will protect you from everything that will come against you. Any tower that you build in your own strength is incapable of doing that. You come to me and find real security and real glory. And instead of all being united apart from him, now what we are as his body is we are all united in him. And now that's when really beautiful, awesome things begin to happen, as we are a people united in Christ, in the city of God, doing his will, loving one another, and loving those who don't yet know him so that they will one day know him and become a part of our city.